0: Hello and welcome to Hope Daily. Uh, I am so glad to be with you. This is going to be my last Hope Daily for a while in that we are taking a hiatus in this program for a little bit starting in July. So uh, I'm looking forward to talking to you today about what I spoke about in the fourth message or fifth message ever at Hope Christian Fellowship back in August of 2004. We've been talking about hope As a central thing to our faith, it is so central and vital to our souls and to our mission. So, this is a big deal what we've been talking about. It's why we called our church Hope. Today, I want to look back at a a message that I gave from John chapter 2, talking about believers losing hope, believers who are confusing hope. And I started by introducing this in the reality of the history at that time, because there weren't Christians during Christ's ministry. We could talk about people who are believers, but Christians weren't a thing until after Christ died and rose again and people became Christ followers in that way. But there were a group of people who were known as the children of God. That was Israel. They were people who had been given God's blessing. They were called to be his people. They were given the truth. As a matter of fact, virtually all of the Bible is written by people who belonged to Israel. The Jewish people were the religious leaders, the believers of that day. In the passage that I took that morning, John chapter 2, all the way into John chapter 3, I talked about how Jesus addressed this group of people, the children of Israel, twice. One was pretty harsh, and one was more gentle. Uh, Nicodemus is in John chapter 3, and we won't get to that, but in John chapter 2, Jesus talks to people who think that they know their believers. They think they know the way. And I want to just read verses 12 to 17 or 13 to 17 to start out. It says this, when it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem in the temple courts. He found people selling cattle, sheep and doves and others sitting at tables, exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, get out of, get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. His disciples remembered what was written, zeal for your house will consume me. So the first thing that I notice here and the first thing that we talked about that day was that these people who were the children of God mistook their faith as a way to to sanctify earthly living. They they thought that there was a way to kind of tax spirituality onto it. There was a legitimate need in the temple for buying and selling. Many people came from far away and they needed to, to, to travel with money so they could buy a sacrifice when they got to the temple. But the problem was that this business had become the focus of the area. The temple had lost its spiritual distinctiveness, its spiritual nature. The the idea of walking into the temple was not to walk into a market. It was to walk into the house of God, to walk into a house of prayer. And it had drifted from this place. And it was very easy to justify it and to rationalize it. But when you stepped back from it, you were like, this just isn't what God wanted it to be. And so we talked about that early in our history because Jesus corrected these money changers. And what we talked about, I'm going to read you exactly what I have in my notes here. The church cannot become about programs and services. That is not what defines church. Not our church, not any church. We have to have programs and services, but the church cannot become about programs and services. That eventually became something we institutionalized as a core value, but it was something that I said within the first month of our services together. Uh, I went on to write this. It cannot be a spiritual rabbit's foot to get God to do what I want. It cannot be a place where I look for convenience or personal taste. On the contrary, it is to be a place of personal sacrifice. It cannot be about physical forms. It must be about spiritual substance. And so that idea is very early for us Were we are not going to be uh, unaware of the pull away from s- spiritually focused ministry and into like the things that we put in place so that we could get to spiritually uh, founded ministry and maybe we lost track of the spiritual nature of it so many believe that adding christ or christianity to their lives is a way of finding help in fixing or fulfilling their earthly lives but if we use faith as a means to get what we want we will lose hope because we have confused hope as we place our hope in the things of this world, we will always be disappointed, always unfulfilled. So that was the first thing that we learned from reading about Jesus' confrontation. We went on to read verses 18 to 22 because they believed, not only did they believe that they could kind of integrate the the. Uh, quest for money and business and and the opportunity that was there the spiritual opportunity that was there into lining their pockets but they also believe that the miraculous physical solutions that were the vestiges of miraculous work were the outcome of true spirituality so verse 18 as as they're getting thrown out the jews responded to him verse 18 what sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all this you have to show us something miraculous you have to prove your power Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and I will raise it again in three days. They replied, It has taken forty-six years to build this temple, and you are going to raise it in three days? But the temple he had spoken of was his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. Then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. So they were looking for Jesus to do some big sign, some big wonder. They believed that if you were truly a spiritual person, you could do miraculous things. But it's a common misperception. It's a big industry today. If you come to God, he'll fix all the problems of your life. But it's a common misperception that I need to make bargains with God, that I need to ask God to do this if I do that, and I'll promise to do that if he'll do this. It's because we have a focus. We have a natural focus on our physical, temporal circumstances. And we often equate how it feels in our real life to what we think is going on in our spiritual life. But Jesus says to them here by saying, I'm not going to show you anything. This just is the truth. And they ask for a sign to prove it so that they can, quote unquote, listen to him. And he says, I'll give you a sign, but you you have no faith to receive it. The sign is that you're going to kill me. This body will be destroyed. He calls it his temple, the temple and in 3 days I'll build it again they can't process that because all they're thinking about is in the earthly realm they can never get to the spiritual realm and the chapter concludes by saying their faith didn't have any depth it was there was really no substance to it because they confused Hope, and because they confused it, every time they tried to grab it, it wasn't there. What it says in verses 23, 24, and 25. Now, while he was in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, many people saw the signs he was performing and believed in his name. But Jesus would not entrust himself to them, for he knew all people. He did not eat any testimony about mankind, for he knew it was in each person. So in other words, they are professing a faith, but their faith isn't strong enough for Jesus to entrust himself to it because he knows it's not real. He knows it won't endure. He knows that this faith is a kind of faith that only evaluates whether something's working or not by what's happening in this life. And what he was calling his disciples to do was to live in a different realm, for a different life, to be spiritually founded people. I think too often our Christianity and our testimony, not only our experience, but our witness, is confounded because we have confused where we find hope. And because of that, we don't live with any hope. It certainly doesn't spill over from us to anyone else. So I wonder, has Christianity felt empty to you recently? Maybe it's because you've been trying to find physical answers to spiritual needs. We are not people who go to God expecting him to fix our temporal existence the things of this earth and the things of this life we are people who place our hope deliberately in what God has promised eternally and what he is doing right now in our souls spiritually if we can come back to that we will be people we will be people who can share our hope with others because we have our hope grounded in something that will never change I pray today that we will come back to what Jesus was showing the God's people back in those days and allow him to show it to us. Allow him to reveal to us why maybe Christianity and our relationship with Jesus has felt empty and where we're looking for hope that isn't him. Let's ask God to do that in our lives this day.